Second Samuel chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baali of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, that which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they had, they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought him the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, every one to his house. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and will I will yet be more vile than thus, and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor." 
Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child under the day of her death. Bow with me, if you would. In a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the reading of the Word of God. Lord, thank you for the spoken Word of God. Thank you for the good singing and the sweet spirit in the house of God. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you'd not, we're not asking for you to get in on what we're doing. But Lord, we're asking for you to get us in on what you're doing. And church is your idea. And Lord, I want to say it's a good idea. Thank you for the church. Thank you, Lord, for the singing and for the Bible that we've read. Lord, I want to thank you for preaching. And I pray that it not be laborsome tonight, but Lord, you'd touch the man of God and help him preach the Word. Lord Jesus, and you'll get all the glory, all the praise, and all the compliment. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to notice with me here that David is wanting to bring the ark of God back to the city of David to its proper place. Somebody say amen. Now, you Bible readers will recall that uh, there was always a whole lot of trouble that went into messing with the ark. Somebody say amen. It seemed like, uh, it seemed like everybody, anybody that tried to handle the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, in a mess. And they got, and there was death and destruction that followed. There was a, there was a lot of pain and suffering that went into the mishandling of the Ark of the Covenant. Somebody say amen. And so it uh, doesn't surprise me that, that not, uh, not everybody wants to have anything to do with it. But David did. Somebody help me now. David wanted to have the ark of God. He wanted the ark of God back in the city of David in its proper place. He made preparations for it to be there. And that's where he wanted it to be. That's, I want you to notice with me here. Listen, it's a big deal to God. The ark of the covenant, if you'll recall, was the most important piece of furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle. It was uh, the mercy seat is what it was called. And you remember reading the Bible about that cloud, that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The very glory of God would settle down upon that mercy seat. That was the throne of God on earth. God prepared a tabernacle for His people. Somebody said, Amen. Now, I want you to notice with me here that David wanted it back. David wanted the ark back, and so he's bringing it back. And, and uh, there's a, if you're wondering what the big deal is about this ark, well, let's just check it out. Amen. Now, I want you to notice, listen, the ark of the covenant was about the same dimensions in size as our communion table. And it was overlaid with gold. And on top of it was the mercy seat and the cherubims that faced one another. And it was the most important article of furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle as well as the New Testament temple. I want you to notice what was inside it. If you're wondering what the big deal is about the ark, let's just look at it and see. Amen. I know they weren't allowed to look at it, but we're under grace. Thank God. So let's look into the ark and see just what the big deal is. I'll say, first of all, the book's in there. Amen. Moses brought them tables of stone off of Mount Sinai was the very first written Word of God. And it brought, though, thank God for the Word of God. The book's inside there. If you're wondering what the big deal is about this ark, it contains the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Honey, I want you to notice this. And there's a day that you, you and I live in a day when the Word of God is under more attack than it ever has been before. For. And folks just want to go to church without their Bible. That Old Testament, those Old Testament saints for years and years went to church and they went through the routines and the motions of their religion, but they did not have the ark. And if they did not have the ark, they did not have God. For the ark of the covenant was a visible, physical representation of God Himself. Somebody say amen. Where the ark was is where God was. So you 
you can understand why David wanted to have the ark because he wanted God. Amen. He was sick to death of going to church without God. He was sick to death of going through the remote, going through the routine and the motions of all the religious requirements without the presence of God Almighty, and he wanted it back. The book's in there. Well, number two, notice what's on the outside of that thing was the blood. The, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement and would sprinkle the mercy seat with the blood sacrifice and make an atonement for the sins of the people. And the blood was in there. Somebody say amen. You don't know what the big deal is about that ark. It's got the blood. Amen. I don't know about you, but I ain't interested in going to church where they've removed the blood. Can I get a witness? The blood, listen to me, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He Hebrews 9.22, and if the blood has not been shed, then you and I would still be in our sins. The book's in there. The blood is in there. There's something else that's in there I want to point out to you. That's Aaron's rod that budded. Are you all with me? Now, you all help me out and preach a little while or I'll be all night, I promise you. It's going to take me a whole lot longer unless you help me out. I want you to notice that Aaron's rod that budded was in there. You know what Aaron's rod was? It was an almond rod. It was a, it was a tree limb that had been cut down, and it was dead. Amen. And But in the presence of God, God miraculously brought it back to life. Now, is that a picture of the resurrection? If I can say it like this, that's the blessed hope. Amen. You don't know what the big deal is about the ark? Well, it's got the book and the blood and the blessed hope. Somebody say amen. And it was the vehicle for the glory of God. David was sick of going to church without the glory of God. And he decided he was going to do whatever he had to do to get the glory of God back in the church. He was sick to death of going to church without the glory of God. And so he decided to bring the ark back. Now I want to preach a little while about that ark. I want to talk about the attitudes. I, want, if I don't have a title for this sermon. This one's called Brother Bud's Awesome Sermon on Second Samuel 6. That's just the name of it. I hope it lives to its title. <laughs> Not real good at titles. But I want you to notice in the text that there are, I ain't going to tell you how many, but there are attitudes that people have concerning... The, well, you're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. You're talking about the holy things of God. The holy things of God. And there are attitudes in this passage that we've read concerning the holy things of God. I've got one in particular that I'm interested in preaching. But I want to mention all of them. So quickly, notice with me, number one. The first attitude that we find is that of King Saul. Now, Saul is not mentioned in Second Kings chapter number 6, but in the parallel passage in First Chronicles chapter number 13 and verse number 3, David said that we inquire not at it, they're talking about the Ark of the Covenant, in the days of Saul. You know what that means? That means for the entire administration of King Saul, they never one time stopped and said, wait just a minute, where is the Ark of the Covenant? Where is the glory of God? We've got all the other pieces of furniture. We've got all the other articles in place. The high priest is still going through the routine and the motion of our religious system. But where is God? Nobody ever said that. You Bible readers will recall that it was in the days of Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter number 6, I believe it is, chapter 7, when the Philistines came in and uh, they whooped the children of Israel and they took the Ark of the Covenant. Somebody say amen. You remember what Eli, the old man of God, said? Was it Eli, Brother Chris? Help me now. He fell back and broke his neck. Amen. You remember what they called that boy that was born? They named him Ichabod. 
And that means the glory hath departed. When you haven't got the Ark of the Covenant, you haven't got the glory of God. And for 20 years, oh God in heaven, for 20 years, they was having church every week. For 20 years, they was going through the motions. For 20 years, they was going in once a year on the Day of Atonement. I don't know what he was doing in there. He had nothing to sprinkle the blood on. There was no mercy seat. There was no atonement. There was no glory. There was no Bible. There was no blessed hope. There was nothing. For 20 years, Saul never asked for it. I want you to understand something about King Saul. He is a saved man. I can prove it to you. When the day he died, saw Samuel, the day before he died, you remember old Saul went to the witch of Endor. I'll get to that in just a minute. See, I never would consult with witches. Well, you'd be surprised what you do. You get in shape like Saul was. I'll get to that in just a minute. You remember he went to the witch of Endor and the Bible said he wanted to call up Samuel. Samuel had always been there to tell him what to do. The Philistines were about to attack him. And the Samuel wanted her to conjure up, call up Samuel. Well, she couldn't call him up. Come on, somebody. She could consult with demon spirits and devils, but she couldn't call up Samuel. But Samuel showed up. Hallelujah. She said, I saw God just sending out of the earth. There's a whole lot of Bible right there. It scared her, and the reason it scared her is because she didn't do it. But Samuel did it. God did it. And Samuel said, you and your sons will be with me tomorrow. Samuel was in Abraham's bosom. He was in the presence of God. He was on the good side of the girl fix. He was in the paradise of God. That's where Saul was headed. Fell on his own sword. Never asked for the ark. I'm going to say it like this. Here's the attitude. I didn't mean to preach Saul's. I got one of them that I want to preach. I didn't mean to preach all that. But let me just go ahead and say this before I quit on it. Saul's attitude is the attitude of those who ignore the holy things of God. They know about it. They know of such. They know that such is out there to help me, Jesus. But they just don't care. They ignore the things of God. Honey, I'm going to tell you what will happen when you ignore the things of God. The same thing that happened to King Saul will happen to us. If you keep ignoring God, He'll ignore you. You remember the life of King Saul? You remember there toward the end? He lost his mind. Somebody say amen. And God would not answer him. You know why Saul lost his mind? It's because God would not answer him. He wouldn't answer him by dream. He wouldn't answer him by prophet. He wouldn't answer him by Urim and Thummim, the breastplate of the high priest. He would not answer him. And he couldn't get a hold of God. You don't know why, you don't know why God ignored Saul. It's because Saul ignored God. Honey, you don't ignore God. You don't ignore God. He'll ignore you one day. Those who ignore the holy things of God wind up demented. He lost his mind. Could it be tonight that the reason America is in the shape that she's in is because she's ignored her God? She's ignored her God and she's lost her mind. And now she's hooked on Zoloff and Paxil, Xanaxes and Valiums, and she's trying, she's trying to overcome something that's going on that's in the spiritual. But it's a, it's not a physical problem. Honey, she's ignored her God. You cannot ignore God and maintain your sanity. You see, Saul is the attitude of those who ignore the holy things of God, and they wind up demented. The reason why some folks in America, why it's, that's why Fox News looks like, it looks like it does every week. Come on, y'all. That's how come the papers looks like it does. 
mamas taking the lives of their babies. You don't know what's wrong with that? They've lost their mind. Amen. We see in the attitude of Saul, those who ignore the holy things of God wind up demented. But number two, notice with me David. David in verse number eight. <laughs> Excuse me. I want to skip this one. No, I'm going to go ahead and say this. In David, we see the attitude of those who are ignorant of the holy things of God. Now, I'm not, being in, I'm not insulting David. And by the way, if you're a big fan of David like I am, just hang on a minute. We'll get back to him. He's in there twice. Amen. But we see, we see David's attitude in verse number 3. The Bible said they set the ark of God upon a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab. I'm going to tell you something. You don't put the ark of God on a new cart. Somebody say amen. Somebody ain't been reading their Bible. And I'm going to tell you something. The attitude of those who are ignorant to the holy things of God, it don't matter how bad you want God, honey. There's a certain procedure. Can I get a witness? There's a certain kind of way that things are going to be done. The end does not always justify the means. This idea of pragmatism that's invaded our churches. Honey, I ain't a swallowing a goldfish. I ain't kissing a pig. I ain't preaching from the roof. I ain't wrestling the deacons. If the preaching of the gospel doesn't get the job done, well, then it's just not going to happen. Somebody say amen. And David wanted to do right, but he didn't know how to do it. And you can do a right thing in a wrong way. He was ignorant to the holy things of God. And he wound up displeased. Look at verse number 8. David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach. Is it, could it be, but Brother Pastor? Reason they so many folks just ain't happy with how things are going. Because they've been doing it the wrong way. Doing the right thing the wrong way. Oh, I could elaborate. Don't get me started. <laughs> There's a reason why we do the things that we do. There's a reason why we do the things that we do. It's not because we're ignorant and closed-minded. Honey, it's because there's a right way to do things. And the right way has been the right way ever since the first day. Honey, it's always been. And somebody tell me, since we're serving a God that does not change, then somebody tell me why we've got to change everything ever six months to please everybody. And David, you see the attitude of those who are ignorant of the holy things of God. And he wound up displeased. Well, let me give you this one. <laughs> I'm going to preach this for a minute now. This is halfway through, just so as you know. This is where I want to be. If I know you, look at your Bible. Verse number 6, when they came to the threshing floor, Nacon's threshing floor, Yuza put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Yuza, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. They preach on the attitude of user. In, in, in user, we see the attitude of those who are indifferent to the holy things of God. You see, user grew up with the Ark of the Covenant in his house. Somebody help me now. I mean, the whole time after they brought them Philistines, brought the Ark of the Covenant back. <laughs> Amen. And by the way, you're putting the Ark on the, on the new cart. That's the way the Philistines done things. That ain't the way God does things. You can't do things the way the Philistines are doing things. Amen. It may look real successful when the Philistines does it, but that's not how God does things. There was a certain way. Yuza 
for 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant was in his house, probably in his bedroom. He was the son of Abinadab, the Gittite. Somebody help me now. For 20 years, he grew up around the holy things of God. And in usual, we see the attitude of those who are indifferent to the holy things of God. It just don't affect them. Somebody say amen. It just don't bother them. It just ain't a big deal. The book ain't a big deal. That's how come they can switch versions. Because the book ain't a big deal. Somebody say amen. Those who are indifferent to the holy things of God, the book ain't a big deal. They won't know what we're fussing about. I've even heard some of them slide in and say, well, I'm King James only, but I ain't going to be King James ugly. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. I'm dogmatic when it comes to my Bible because it was that book right there that showed me my lost condition and told me about a God that loves me and I don't want it changed. I don't want nobody messing with my Bible. It's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to me. If you're wondering what we're ranting about, it's because that is what the battle's over. It ain't about women wearing britches no more. By the way, I'm going to get spray-on blue jeans, apple-bottom jeans with the boots with the fur. Somebody say amen. Amen. But it ain't about that no more, preacher. It ain't about the Beatles anymore. They're dead. At least the ones that had talent are. Amen. It ain't about Elvis Presley no more. He's frozen in a cave in Colorado with Bruce Leroy and John Wayne. At least I hope so. Come on now, somebody. It ain't about that no more. I'm going to tell you what the battle is about in 2015. It's about this book right here. It's about this book right here. And to use it just wasn't a big deal. He grew up around it. The blood just wasn't a big deal. In fact, it was kind of nasty to him, probably. A little gross. Somebody say amen. Blessed hope didn't do anything for him. Amen. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. There are those in our churches whose attitude toward the, I'm talking about the fundamental principles of the faith. I'm talking about the doctrines that we hold dear to our heart. And number one, one of them is the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And these people, listen to me, they'll sit there and won't bat an eyebrow when you preach on the second coming. You can't get a grunt. Because they are indifferent to the holy things of God. It don't bless them no more. Church ain't a big deal. That's why they can miss church some easily. It's not a big deal to them anymore. Church used to be a big deal. Used to be the gala event of the week. They'd put on the Sunday go-to-meetings, honey. I'm talking about the best thing they had. Say amen right there. And they couldn't wait to get to the house of God to find out what God was going to do this week. But now it's take it or leave it. And they don't really care. It's because the glory has departed. And we're going through the religious motions. And they've grown up around the things of God. They've heard it all. They've seen it all. You can't impress them. There ain't nothing you can preach. There ain't no way you can preach that'll impress them because it ain't a big deal no more. It's a fanciful novelty of a bygone generation of dinosaurs. And it just ain't a big deal. Use attitude. It's the one I'm preaching against this morning or tonight. It'll be morning in a little bit. He's indifferent. He was indifferent. He didn't bless him no more. You see, he grew up. Let me, I'm going to tell you something. I love church children. Mine are. It's all they've ever known. Amen. But I'm talking about, listen to me. Get in the house of God sometime the glory of God blow in there and God be so real. Amen. You ever go down to the altar and be a praying and God be so close to you you're afraid to open your eyes lest you see God and die? God be so real in the house of God and the presence of God be so good. Somebody say amen. And then they some that are sitting there and it does not bother them at all. Indifferent. Well, he ended up dead. 
Could it be Brother Chris? Recently, there's so many dead churches and dead church members. Come on, somebody. It's because we've grown indifferent to the holy things of God. It don't bless us like it used to. It doesn't stir our souls like it used to. Let me show you some things about you. I'm going to tell you something. He deserved to die. That sounds harsh. But God don't make mistakes. The Bible said it doeth all things well. Amen. And there's more to it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you three things, three reasons why I believe God smote him. Number one, he thought he could help. If they'd have been doing it the right way to start with, it wouldn't have been a problem. But to have that thing on that new cart like in Philistines, so the, the oxen shook the cart and the, ox, the Ark of the Covenant toppled. Let me say something to you. It was God's Ark, and God didn't need nobody to reach out there and help him. Honey, somebody say, man, this mindset that we think that we have, to, that God has to have us, that God needs us. I heard man say one time he was an immoral man. He was an immoral man who committed immoral acts. In the, listen to me, he was a preacher, and somebody asked him about it, and he said, you have to be so important to the Holy Ghost that he just has to have you. Honey, he ain't got to have none of us. He does not need us. He don't need our help. User presumed that he thought he could help. He wanted to, he wanted to help God out. I'm going to tell you something. Every time anybody in that Bible wanted to help God out, got him in trouble. Abraham wanted to help God out. God told Abraham, said, you're going to have a boy. Well, Sarah was getting up in years. Somebody say amen. And they concocted an idea. I said, well, I'll just adopt. I'll just go into Hagar, marry her. She'll have a baby. We'll adopt that, and that'll be we're going to help God out. They still fighting about it today. Amen. Anytime anybody ever tried to help God out, it was a disaster. User thought he could help. Let me say yes. User thought he could handle it. He felt like he had earned the right to touch the ark. After all, he had been one to taking care of it all in years. I'm going to tell you something. Ain't no such a thing as seniority in the things of God. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Ain't nobody got a monopoly on the holy things of God. Nobody does. He thought he could handle it. He thought he had earned the right. He had been in a privileged position for 20 years of taking care of the Ark of the Covenant. That God oh, somehow or another owed him something, and he deserved the right to do whatever he wanted to do. And God smote him. But here's the reason. Here's the big reason. Look at verse number 7. Look at verse number 8. <coughs> now back to verse 7. Look at the anger of the Lord was kindled against Yuza, and God smote him there. Now listen to this. For his error. His error. All you got to do is look in the Strong's Concordance. You'll find out that that word error does not just make him mean a mistake. Let me tell you, let me push pause right here and tell you, hallelujah. God ain't some big, mean bully sitting on the throne in glory waiting on you to mess up so he can stomp you. He's not sitting up there waiting on you to make a mistake so that he can smite you dead. That is not God. That's not how he operates. That word error does not mean mistake. It comes from a word that means to mislead. Or to deceive. Check it out. James Strong's concordance. Hebrew. I don't know the number, but you'll find it. It means that word error, it comes from a word. It means to mislead or to deceive. He thought he could help. He thought he could handle. But I'm going to tell you this. He thought he could hide from God. There was something going on with user. Somebody say Amen. He had some secret something or another going on that he was trying to hide from everybody else. And see, your problem is with users, he didn't give two rips about the Ark of the Covenant until the king came calling. Come on, somebody. And now he's out there prancing around like a peacock, 
telling everybody how to operate business. Somebody say amen. He didn't give two rips about the ark of God the day before. But when the king of Israel gathered the elders of Israel up there, oh, I can say it like this, when the big meeting going on, when he was, when he was just at the house by himself, he didn't care nothing about the ark of God. But on the day of the big meeting, when all the big shots were showing up, and everybody was coming to the big meeting, while he had put on his, uh, he'd put on his religious garb, and he'd put on his religious face, and he'd prance around acting like he's God's gift to the Ark of the Covenant. He thought, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He had his daddy fooled, no doubt. Abinadab, he had his daddy fooled. He had David fooled. He had the elders of the children of Israel fooled. But the one thing, one person he could not hide it from was the all-seeing eye of God Almighty. The eye of God goeth to and fro, beholding the evil and the good. Honey, there's one person that you'll not hide it from. God knows all about what goes on behind closed doors. He knows what you do in secret. God sees those things. He smote him for his error. It means to deceive. He was a fake and a phony. Y'all ain't mad at me, are you? <laughs> Don't get mad at me now. We're going to eat in a minute. You can get mad at Brother Chris. He's one to give me a sermon anyhow. I didn't have a thing until I got here and he said, here, use this. I... It was a setup. Should have known better than that. I didn't want to preach it. He said, Here, this is what God told me to tell you to preach. <clears throat> Thought he could hide from God. Boys, a whole lot of them out there hiding. Pastor, they was folks hiding things, and I'm gonna tell you something, I was the last one. To believe it. Amen. I'm not like people in the church I'd put confidence in that I would have hang I would have hanged my hat on their testimony. Amen. That had ungodly things going on. And there's a hiding it. They, they had the preacher fooled. But they didn't fool God Almighty. And I'm gonna tell you something, honey, that's what's gonna count. I'm going to tell you something about real Christianity. It's like an iceberg. Most of a real Christian, 80% below surface. It ain't what makes you a Christian happens on Sunday morning. What makes you a Christian is what you do by yourself. The things that you watch on TV or don't watch, rather. Somebody say amen. The things, listen, the things that you do by yourself. Those things decide whether or not you're a Christian. Use his attitude. He was indifferent to the holy things of God. He just didn't care, didn't bother him. He is the one that sat there during church and text on his cell phone while a preacher was preaching, looking at Facebook. Now, I just got these boots. I ain't throwing them at nobody. Brand new. Nakonas. Yeah. But I promise you this, I about throttle a man if I catch him playing on Facebook. Put that on your Facebook wall and like it. I'm not during the break when we go out there. Amen? I don't care if they sit there and sleep. I don't even mind if they clip their toenails. What bothers me, there's their own, they're looking at Facebook while I'm trying to preach. Makes me mad. Now, I'm a cage fighter. You can't tell by looking at me, but there's all kinds of things. There's probably more than one in there. Teenagers in our youth group. My piano player, Brother Chris. You sit over there. I didn't even know it. Well, I was a fool. I didn't even know it. Because that piano thing sticking up over there. And I was sitting down over here. And I'd say, play us that. And during the song, in between the songs, just while somebody was praying or something, she'd be over there on her, on her Facebook. I wished I had an e EMP. You know what I'm talking about? Electronic magnetic pulse or whatever they call that. The military does it. They got them. I wished I had one. I'd bless fire. I don't care if it's an iPad, iPod, iPhone 6. I'd flatten, I'd fry them things. As soon as they walk in the house of God, hey, preacher, I can't get no kind of cell service. 
I didn't mean to get off on all that. It's right there in his notes. It's in Brother Chris's handwriting. Preach against playing on Facebook during the sermons. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> I'm done preaching. Let me, give you the, let me give you the last ones. Can you all handle it? It's all downhill from here. I mean, it's, all, it's good. After this, it's all right. Except maybe one of them. And usually you find the attitude of those who are indifferent to the things of God. Saul ignored the things of God and wound up demented. David was ignorant to the things of God and wound up displeased. Yuza was indifferent to the things of God and wound up dead. But then you got an old boy by the name of Obed-Edom. And it don't say a whole lot about Obed-Edom. But when David was afraid of the Lord, when David didn't want the Ark of the Covenant, Obed-Edom said, I'll take it. Amen. And in Obed-Edom you find those who are interested in the holy things of God. He said, nobody else wants him. I'll take it. And they turned into the house of Obed-Edom, and the Bible said that God blessed him. I don't know what all happened, but Maze Jackson said that his chickens laid double yolk eggs. Amen. And his cow gave whole cream. Praise God. And his corn stalks were higher than anybody else's. Amen. And some God, somebody came back and told him, said, God's blessed the house of Obed-Edom because of the ark of God. I'm going to tell you about those who are interested in the holy things of God. Those who will take a stand when don't nobody else want nothing to do with the holy things of God. And they'll say that all the world may have turned against God Almighty, but I still want Him. I still want the old way. I'll take God. They wind up delighted. God blessed him. And then you find David again. Thank God for this. And that last one was a little was a little rough. Somebody say amen. That last one we said, oh, David had the attitude of those who were ignorant of the things of God. Well, here's what David said. The last thing David said about the matter in verse number 9, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Hallelujah. David went home with that question resonating in his rib cage, And David decided he was going to get the old scroll down off the top shelf. Somebody say amen. And it got the parchments out. Glory to God. And he started studying his Bible. And he started getting hay. And he found out that they weren't supposed to put it in an ark, in a cart. But the Levites were supposed to tote it on poles, uh, on their shoulders, uh, and it was only certain people that were supposed to touch it. And that's the way God wanted it done. And David found out how to do it God's way, and it went right back down there and said, praise God, it was a failure the last time, but we're going to try it again. And so David, said, the Bible said, he went back. Amen. And in David, you find the attitude of those who are instructed in the holy things of God. You know what happens to those who are instructed in the holy things of God? Verse number 13, And it was so, that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, Amen. David said, Let's give this thing a trial run. Amen. Said, Boys, I know you're scared, but hoist it up. Oh, I know you're afraid, but hoist it up on your shoulders. I've got Bible that this is the way that God wants it done. I'm I know you're afraid. I know you ain't never done it before. But boys, hoist it up on your shoulders and let's make our way. And they ain't gone but about six steps. And David saw that they was doing it right. And David said, that's enough. Stop right there. I want to sacrifice. I want to praise God a while. And the Bible said that he took his coat off and he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Had him a time. You don't know what happens to those who are instructed in the holy things of God. They wind up dancing. (laughs) David had a big old time. It ain't charismatic, neighbor. Look up in here. Somebody say amen. It's Bible. Somebody say, they didn't act like that in the New Testament. I beg your pardon. Say, they didn't shout in in the Old Testament. Oh, yes, they did. They brought the Ark of the Covenant back, and they said, like, yes, God's home. God's back. And the Bible said they brought the Ark of the Lord up with shouting. Amen. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And it was a holy dance. i give you this last, and I'm done. And then you see Michael. Michael was the daughter of Saul. <laughs> now, 
I ain't never going to get to preach this sermon, but I wrote me a little sermon about David and Michael. I'll never get to preach it. Because <laughs> it's not popular. Well, you say, well, I didn't kept you from this. And <laughs> I remind you that this is Dr. Hewitt's sermon outline that I'm preaching. I won't never get to, but I'd like to preach one time on the right one that went wrong and the wrong one that went right. <laughs> His married Micah, she was the right one. She went wrong. Now you see why I can't preach it now, don't you? They don't Bathsheba. She's the wrong one. Somehow or another it went right. Yeah, I know I can't preach that. I ain't going to preach it. Scratch that idea. Somehow get the wrong impression. Amen. Get the wrong impression. But I want you to notice Michael. Hers is the attitude of those, and I could use several words, but I chose the one irritated. This got under her skin. I could have, I could have said embarrassed. I believe David embarrassed her. The attitude of those who are irritated at the holy things of God. It is an inconvenience. How come it is we've got to sing until 11.55 and then the preacher gets up and preaches for 45 minutes and after the invitation goes another 25 minutes, we don't get out of here and we don't get to go to the restaurants until everybody else doesn't come and go. Does that sound familiar? Because I've had that conversation before. What you need to do is you need to get them started on time Cut that thing down to two choir songs and one special song. Shave them sermons down to about 25 minutes, and we can get out of here at 12 o'clock. Well, let me ask you a question. What if Jesus decided he was going to show up at 12.30 and save one of your kids? Somebody say amen. I'd hate to think that I had to get out of there by 12, and Jesus wanted to stay a little longer. And it's an inconvenience for some people, the holy things of God, because it interrupts things. When you go having prayer meeting on Tuesday night, preacher, you know we got ball practice on Tuesday night. How come we can't pray on Wednesday or, or Sunday? Somebody say amen. It's an inconvenience for us to have revival meeting. Why do we got to go Monday through Friday? Everybody else go Sunday through Wednesday. Why can't we just do it like that? It's an inconvenience. We got softball practice. We've got soccer practice. I paid $150 for my little girl's basketball uniform and she's got to be in every one of her games. And it's all right there in Dr. Hewitt's notes. Every bit of that. Michael was she was irritated at the holy things of God. Look at what she says to him. How glorious. <laughs> Are you looking at your Bible? Verse number 20. <laughs> Michael came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants. As one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered themselves. You know what she's saying, don't you? My daddy never acted like that. <laughs> well, your daddy didn't give two rips about the Ark of the Covenant, neither. Amen. If your daddy ever felt the glory of God up and down the avenues of his soul like I do, he'd liable to take a backflip, turn a backflip, take a lap around Jerusalem, and bite three of y'all on the ankle. His religion was as dead as a hammer because there wasn't no glory and there wasn't no God. And I'm going to tell you something, honey. He wasn't, he was before the Lord. Hallelujah. Your daddy, I wasn't out there jockeying for position, trying to get the kingdom. I was minding my own business in the shepherd's fields, watching my daddy's lambs when they said the man of God was here and he wasn't sitting down till you come. I got to the house and that old white haired, long haired man of God took a cork off of that horn of oil and poured it on my head and said, God save the king. I didn't ask for this. It was God that chose me, and I'll shout when I need to shout. I ain't preaching because I couldn't get a job at Walmart handing out smiley face stickers. 
Amen. I didn't go into the ministry because I couldn't find no gainful employment in the world. God chose me. You don't know why I act a little funny every now and then? Because when I was on my way to hell, God came and found me, honey, and He saved my soul. Paul said it like this. He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. That word faith counted me. It means He made up the difference where I was lacking. Glory to God. I'd rather be in the house of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Every now and then I feel like dancing. It's embarrassing, ain't it? Well, let me just tell you this. If you've never embarrassed your flesh, you've never really praised God right. (laughs) You don't know why David danced? Same reason my four-year-old dances when I come home. Somebody help me now. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Daddy's home, and she gets to dancing. That's why David danced, because God, God was back. God finally, finally felt the presence of God. Michael irritated the holy things of God. Look at verse number 16. The Bible said, she looked through a window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. We'll tell you something about folks that are irritated at the holy things of God. It embarrasses them. It's an inconvenience to them. They end up despising people. <laughs> despising people. Some of the most some of the most unhappy people I've ever been around in my life are not people out in the world. It's people who are trying to do church without God. <laughs> I mean, I am saved, and I, can't, I about can't handle church myself. Come on, somebody. I about can't handle it, and I am saved. Do you imagine? You know, how to make a, you know how to make a Pharisee, don't you? Make him go to church every week with no relationship with Jesus. That's how you make a Pharisee. You know how to make a, you know how to make a, you know how to make a, that's how you make a, a legalist. Sitting in the church every week with no relationship with Jesus. You know how to make a liberal? Make a, make a, make a legalist. Somebody say amen. Because <laughs> it won't take about two years or three years of being a legalist without Jesus. And they'll get sick of it and they'll turn, they'll turn, they'll turn a curve. We've seen it, ain't we? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's how I want to be. Michael despised. I'm going to show you what happens. That old crowd that makes fun of old-time religion. Verse number 23, Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child under the day of her death. One thing about this crowd that thinks they got it all up on the top shelf, and they go through the religious motions when they make fun of old-time religion, they can't birth babies. Amen. They can't birth babies. Ain't going to be no, ba- no babies birthed into the family of God in a dead atmosphere. Amen. And Michael was cursed of God because she despised old-time religion. God help us. 